The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. R. Scott Clark. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Almighty God and merciful Father, We ask your blessing on your word as we meditate on it. We take some rest from our studies, but not necessarily from our intellects, Lord. We ask your help, ask your spirit, uh, that your spirit would illumine the scriptures, renew us in our trust and in confidence that indeed you are our shepherd, that you will not abandon us, but you have sent your good shepherd, the good shepherd, And he has made us his sheep, laid down his life, and no one shall seal us from his hand. Hear our prayer, forgive our sins, renew us in every grace, for Jesus' sake. Amen. You may be seated. So our our, uh, task this semester is to look at passages... Uh, and and, uh, particularly to focus on the gospel in the gospels. And uh, uh, perversely, for some reason, uh, as soon as I saw that, uh, not long after that, my mind went to Matthew 24, which is where I want to go with you. Uh, Matthew 24, I want to look at verses 36 through 44. This is a very simple passage about which there's been almost no discussion and universal agreement, so... This will be easy this morning. Matthew 24, 36 through 44. Uh, re- uh, reading from the, the uh, New American uh, Standard. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Or as in those days, and before the flood, They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they they did not understand the flood, um, excuse me, they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field, and one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, and one will be left. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know Uh, which day, on which day, your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time uh, of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not uh, think he will. As far as the reading of God's word, may he bless this word as we meditate on it this morning a little bit. Well, here we are in the Olivet Discourse. We're approaching the end of uh, the ministry of uh, our Lord. The the, uh, crisis is uh, coming to a head. The plot to kill Jesus, uh, in in literary terms, is only uh, only a chapter or so away, chapter 27. They're going to come and arrest him, and in between we'll have the institution, the celebration of the last Passover, the institution of the Lord's Supper, and all of the events associated 
with the end of our Lord's earthly ministry. So this, this is a, a, one of the last great discourses of his earthly ministry as recorded for us it, variously uh, in, the, in the synoptics. If you compare the, the different accounts, right, some are, are uh, much shorter, and, and uh, the verses on which I want to focus are, are 36 through uh, the end there, 44, or at least the end of this particular part. And it's only here, only Matthew has these uh, very fascinating words, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be right, when the Son of Man comes. Uh, so you, we have to think first uh, of how this uh, would have functioned uh, in the first century. Right? Matthew writing uh, presumably to, to Jewish Christians and uh, uh in, in some respects, uh, warning them about things that are about to happen very soon. Now, that's not to say that everything that Jesus des- uh, describes in the Olivet Discourse is fulfilled in AD 70. I think that's as tempting as that might be to make all of the eschatological speculation go away, right, to sort of wipe it all out in one fell swoop, and, and I understand the, wh- why that's attractive. Um, nevertheless, I don't think that really accounts for A, what our Lord intended, uh, nor B, does it account for everything uh, our Lord actually says. This is uh, a a prophetic discourse in some ways, very much like Old Testament prophetic discourse. It has uh, hyperbolic features that you find in Old Testament prophecy, and it has another feature, and that is it's telescoped. So there are uh, events that are spread out over a long period of time, are telescoped, in the course of the discourse it, and presented as if it were all uh, one thing. And that seems to be true of the Olivet Discourse as well. So it's a telescoped prophecy or announcement in part of the destruction of Jerusalem. And one of the differences between the, destru- and one of the reasons why the destruction of Jerusalem doesn't explain all of the Olivet Discourse is because he tells them what to look for relative to the destruction of the Olivet Discourse. And as a matter of history, we know that the early Christians, the Jewish Christians, recognized the signs of the coming destruction of Jerusalem, and they fled to the Transjordan, thereby alienating themselves from the non-Christian Jews and earning their uh, everlasting enmity because they fled and they didn't do their national duty to stay and fight the, the coming Roman oppressors and then leading to the destruction of the, of the temple. So there were marks, there were indicators that our Lord gave that, that could be seen, but his return, he says, by contrast, is not like that episode, right? His return is like the thief uh, who comes in the night, right? Uh, he, if you knew he was coming, right, you know when the temple's going to be destroyed, but if you knew when the thief was coming, you'd, you'd take uh, reasonable precautions. You'd get your 12-gauge, You'd sit on your couch, take the safety off, and wait for him to come in the door, right? And you'd already have a round chambered, right? And make sure it's buckshot, not birdshot. So you, you'd be ready to go, and you'd have your cell phone at hand, 911, you know, ready. Just hit, hit dial, right? So you'd, you'd, if you knew. But as, we ter- as concerns the coming of Jesus, right, it does, it's not like that. It's not like that. Right. So, there, so that's why I say this is a telescoped uh, account of, of what's going to happen. So by contrast, Jesus' bodily return will be a surprise. Okay, 
All right, so that gives us just a little sense of how this uh, functions in its original in its original setting. But it also, of course, a narrative like this uh, necessarily, and, and if those of you who are of my age or older uh, can almost not hear this narrative without thinking of uh, uh, films like A Thief in the Night. So in preparation, uh, David uh, came uh, down ill last night and he sent out an email and and I had been thinking about this, um, still very much in the rough stages, and one of the things I intended to do was to a- actually watch Thief in the Night, uh, because I'd never seen it. And so uh, through the magic, the magic of YouTube, I was able to sit down last night and then this morning a little bit and watch uh, the, whole, the whole thing, A Thief in the Night. It's, uh, I'm tempted to give a sort of review, <laughs> review of it. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I'll, I'll resist that temptation. It, I will say it is kind of a, if you haven't seen it, you probably should see it. It's, it's an, in its own way, sort of charming, homey, grainy way uh, as a piece of cinematography. It's actually kind of affecting. And I did want to see how it came out because you actually, the filmmaker actually uh, uh, managed to create a sense of empathy with the, with the characters in the film. So just as a piece of cinema, it's, it's sort of interesting. And of course, most of you probably don't remember this, but this film was and others like it were wildly popular. It swept across the evangelical landscape, and it was part of a broader eschatological fervor through the 1970s. The, uh, um, uh, I can't think of the title here. I was just talking about it. It was a famous book that sold uh, millions of, of uh Copies and, and there were lots of other volumes, uh, books, and films that, that followed this. This was part of a trilogy of films about the premillennial, pre-tribulational, secret rapture, and then the uh, the difficulties that follow, and so forth. And and uh, it, it's sort of, uh, in some ways, it's a sweet film because there are some there are some gospel moments in it. But the overall tenor of the film is intended to terrorize young people. And to, and to frighten them into putting their trust in Jesus. Because if you don't, if you wait, you know, you're, you're good church-going people, but you haven't personally trusted in Jesus. And as a consequence, uh, when the secret rapture comes, and this is a theory that uh, Jesus is going to appear sort of secretly or s- secretly take his people out of the earth so that, as the film shows, a fellow is standing at the sink with his electric razor and then Next thing, the razor's in the sink buzzing away, and he's gone, and, and buses have no drivers, and planes have no pilots, and, and, uh, and, and the people who are left behind are screaming, and then those who went to church are realizing, oh, I should have put my trust in Jesus. I didn't, and I, and I missed out on the rapture. Now I have to go through the seven years of tribulation. And, of course, it's like an insurance policy, right? Close with Jesus now, and you won't have to go through the tribulation, right? We can solve that problem for you. And that way you'll always, you'll get to be with your mom. And there's a, they show a scene where there's a little girl in the kitchen. She comes in and the pot is boiling and mom's nowhere to be found. And she thinks, oh, this is it. This is the rapture. And uh, I missed mom. And she starts screaming. Um, so don't want to be without your mom. Um, and it uh, comes complete with a haunting theme song, which I can't now get out of my head. Larry Norman's uh, I, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. I almost had Brian put it on the sound system to play it as you came in, but... Mrs. Clark said that would be a really bad idea. So I thought it was a great idea. But, but just to give you a sense of how this passage was, was heard, right, I'll read the lyrics for you. Life was filled with guns and war, and all of us got trampled on the floor. 
I wish we'd all been ready. The children died, the days grew cold, a piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. The father spoke. The demons dined. How could you have been so blind? There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. I hope we'd all be ready. You've been left behind. Now, as an old disc jockey, um, I played this song lots of times on the Christian radio station. And this song and the film, as I say, were intended to frighten people about the secret rapture. And the, and the text to which they appealed was right here in, in Matthew 24, 36 through 44. And what I want to say before we run out of time is that this is exactly wrong and exactly backwards. The good news is that Jesus' people, when he comes, will be left behind. And the key, and this is the, this is the, the, the key that you, you, you mustn't miss, right? our Lord Jesus tells us exactly how to understand this portion of the Olivet Discourse. He gives us the key. You just have to pay attention. If you come to this text assuming that being left behind is bad and being taken is good, of course you're going to see what you want to see, but you, you see that only at the expense of ignoring what Jesus actually said. And when you're trying to interpret Jesus, it's really valuable to pay attention to what he actually said. <laughs> Just as a hermeneutical clue there. Look at verse 37. Right? Not pulling any rabbits out of any hats. This is what the, the Word of God actually says. It says it in, in the original language. And it says it in English. Uh, as, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. So in order to understand this portion of the discourse, you have to know a little bit about Noah and what was happening in the days of Noah. People were conducting their lives. They were marrying and giving in marriage. They were grinding at the mill. And, and the word of God was going out, and the, the announcement of salvation had been made. The, the call to repentance had been made. Noah was calling the world to repent, the world that then was, to repent and announcing that a judgment was coming, but salvation was at hand for all who would trust in Yahweh and in his promised salvation. And some listened, and some did not. And those who listened, the, that little tiny church that listened and went on to the ark, they were left behind. And the rest of the world that then was, was taken away. That's the paradigm. You don't want to be taken. You want to be left. So I, a part of what I want to do this morning is to set your heart at ease. If you come out of that background, that premillennial, pre-trib, dispensational background, and you have these lingering fears that Maybe you're not sh quite sure what Jesus is saying and you wonder if this is all right and maybe we want to be taken secretly and we don't want to be left behind. Please don't think that way. And please tell your people, no, you want to be. The good news is that God's people, Christ's people, people in the ark, Jesus is the ark, people who are united to Jesus by grace alone, through faith alone, will be left behind because they won't be taken in the destructive floodwaters of the judgment when Jesus comes. And I know this is right because this is what the Apostle Peter says, both in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, as he comments 
directly on this section of the Olivet Discourse. We have an inspired commentary in the Word of God. And if I had time, I would take you through that, but I don't, so I won't. (laughs) But you need to know that the, the paradigm here is exactly opposite of the thief in the night, and I wish we'd all been ready. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man came. Right? Two are, are doing things, and one is taken, and the other is left. Right? Just as the floodwaters came and took them all away. To be taken is bad. I know I sound like the president. Bad. Or George H.W. Bush. Bad. But it's, to be taken is bad. Is to be destroyed in divine judgment. To be left is to be preserved and to be saved in the ark. That's the paradigm, as it was in the days of Noah. Yeah, you can't miss that. If you miss that, you miss the whole point. And so the, what, what's the good news here? The good news is that God's people will always be saved in the ark. That's the good news. And they're saved the same way that Noah and that little church was saved, by God's free grace. Genesis chapter 6 is the first time we actually see covenant explicitly Revealed Now, it's implicit prior, but it's explicit in Genesis 6. And it says, And Noah found favor, grace, unconditional favor in the eyes of God. It's by grace you have been delivered from the wrath to come, not by works, not by sanctification, but by grace through faith in whom was Noah trusting. Well, that's easy. You go to Hebrews 11. Noah was looking forward to Jesus. And the ark was a picture of Jesus. It's not that complicated, really. One of the bits of good news, and we have to stop here, one of the bits of good news that comes out of this text is that the whole story of the end of the world is much simpler than we've been led to believe if you followed the left-behind books from the 90s and the films from 2000 to 2014, and it'll probably continue because there's a market for this. It's really very simple. Trust in Jesus and you're in the ark. You are preserved. You are saved. No need to speculate about seven years of tribulation, thousand years of glory on the earth. It's all speculation. What we know to be true is what the Word of God actually says. What the Word of God actually says. And and I want you to communicate this to your friends, your congregations, wherever you have an opportunity to. That when we say these things, we're actually following, this is where I want to leave you, we're we're actually following what the Word of God actually says, as it was in the days of Noah. Just those words. We're We're actually following those words. You need to have that confidence that the gospel really is in the gospels. And the gospel is that as it was in the days of Noah, Jesus will save his people when he comes just the way he saved Noah. So you ought not to fear when Jesus comes. That's not, a, a, that's not an opportunity or that's not an occasion of fear for those who believe. In the Heidelberg Catechism, we say, we look forward to the coming of Jesus with an uplifted face. You know, the last day when Jesus comes, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. But some of those will have their head down and it'll be an unhappy confession. But for us, our faces will be up, our hands will be up, 
our, our arms will be outstretched and we'll be receiving our Lord who's coming back for us in glory, in grace, in forgiveness, and in salvation. That's good news. That's why Paul says, as I said, as I, as I preached in my gospel in Romans 1. It's good news. The coming of Jesus is good news. It's salvation. It's not a, it's not a hidden Gnostic secret to be discovered in series of obscure books and movies, but by following the clear word of God here in Matthew 24. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for the clear teaching of Scripture, even in a difficult passage like this. Uh, what a wonderful thing it is to see uh, those few simple, glorious words, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. We're thankful that the coming of Jesus is good news for us and not bad news. And we look forward to it. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Copyright 2017, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.